Uh, I want to welcome all of you here today, whether you're watching us online or you're here in person. We are so thankful that you've decided to join us at Bachelor Creek. If you're newer to Bachelor Creek, my name is Tyler Leland, and I'm the elementary minister here, but I'm glad to be with you today. And as we get started, I have a question that I need your help with. So if you could, as I ask this question, if it's true of you, just raise your hand. And if you're watching online, there's a raised hand emoji that you can drop in the comments. So go ahead and do that for us today, too. So here's the question. In high school, did you pass notes to your friends or to a boyfriend or girlfriend during class? Was that true of anybody in here? Wow, look at that. So many of us were passing notes in school instead of paying attention to class. I'm really glad that you raised your hand to tell the truth because there's probably some teachers in here today that had you in class growing up, and they're looking around saying, no, I know they were passing, class, passing notes in my class. Well, I have the, the high schoolers here. There's a few of you. Is that still a thing? Do people still pass notes in class? Very much so. I don't understand. You have texting now. You don't need to pass notes anymore. You can just text under the table and send it out that way, right? Yeah, it, anyways. Yeah, if you were, uh, if you graduated past the year 2010, passing notes was a thing. We all did it at, at different times, and luckily for you, <laughs> my wife saved every note that any boy, not just me, wrote her in high school. <laughs> so I have one here. This one's from me, but I'm going to read it to you guys today. As long as you promise not to laugh as I read this. And I think we have it on the screen here, too, so you can follow along. It's too good. I had, to, I had to put it up there. Okay, here it is. Adrian, sorry I missed study hall today. And that looks like a frowny face. That was before emojis were a thing. The field trip was extremely boring and really, really long. I wanted to get back before school was out so I could have least said bye to you, but we got back late. So I'm really sorry for being a bad boyfriend, but... <laughs> I hope you had a great practice, and I'm sure you balled it up like always. Well, I'm going to get going for now, but first, a quick encoded message. I have no idea why I took the time to assign a number to every letter in the alphabet, but there it is. And if you can see the message up there, the message is, ha, I can't believe you decoded this. JK, see a beautiful love, Tyler. And then there's a P.S., that has another little emoji smiley face this time. So, yeah, pretty good stuff. Uh, <laughs> so, you're probably asking, Tyler, like, why are you starting with this today? It seems kind of odd that you would be sharing a letter that you wrote to your high school sweetheart. But the answer to that question is, it has everything to do with what we've been talking about the last five weeks here as a church. Because here's what we know about letters. Letters are written by someone specific. So in the instance that you just saw, I wrote that letter. And letters are also written to someone specific. So this one was to my now wife, then girlfriend, Adrian. And letters always have a very specific purpose. So they're written for a specific purpose. Of course, the purpose of my letter to my high school sweetheart was to win over her heart, right? And I think I did a pretty good job because she's now married to me. So the encoded message must have worked. But the thing is, the letter that we see John write, the one that we've been studying over the last five weeks, 
It's no different. This is a letter written by a specific person, the Apostle John, to a specific group of people, the early New Testament churches that were struggling at the time. And it had a very specific reason to address false teachings that were rising up as a part of the church. And like Michael said in week one, if you were here with us, this letter might have been written more like a sermon than it was an actual note to someone, but it would have been presented to the church. And it would have been the words of John to the church. And I love John's language here because it, it's so much this feeling of a parent writing to a child. He uses this language of dear children over and over again throughout the letter. So today we're going to finish John's letter. And even though it was originally written to New Testament churches, I think that there's a lot from God's Word that we can take from it as well. So if you have your Bibles today, go ahead and open them up to 1 John chapter 5. It's not going to be on the screens today, but I would encourage you, if you have a Bible, to pull it up so that we can read through this together. It's a longer chunk of Scripture that we're going to work our way through, but I want you to be able to follow along with us as we go here. If you don't have your Bible, I'll read it to you as well so you can hear it. 1 John chapter 5. This is the end of John's letter. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. This is how we know that we love the children of God, by loving God and carrying out his commands. In fact, this is love for God, to keep his commands. And his commands are not burdensome, for everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. This is the one who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. He did not come by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit who testifies because the Spirit is the truth. For there are three that testify, the Spirit, the water, and the blood. And the three are in agreement. We accept human testimony, but God's testimony is greater because it is the testimony of God, which he has given about his Son. Whoever believes in the Son of God accepts this testimony. Whoever does not believe God has made him out to be a liar because they have believed the testimony God has given about his Son. And this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life, and, his son is in, in, and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. And this next verse is going to be really important as we continue today. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked Him for. If you see any brother or sister commit a sin that does not lead to death, you should pray, and God will give them life. I refer to those whose sin does not lead to death. This is a sin that leads to death. There is a sin that leads to death. I'm not saying that you should pray about that. All wrongdoing is sin, and there is sin that does not lead to death. We know that anyone born of God does not continue to sin. The one who was born of God keeps them safe, and the evil one cannot harm them. But we know that we are children of God, and that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. 
we know also that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true by being in his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. Dear children, keep yourself from idols. Now, much of 1 John chapter 5 probably sounds pretty, pretty familiar to you. And actually, as I was preparing this sermon this week, I thought to myself, how am I going to say anything different than what's been said the past four weeks in this sermon series? Because John repeats himself over and over again throughout the book of 1 John. So he th says things like this. Everyone who loves the Father loves the children as well. Or in verse 3, this is love for God, keep his commands. Or in verse 14, this is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And then verse 18, anyone born of God does not continue to sin. Those are things that you've heard John say already over the last four weeks leading into this week. And he said these things multiple times throughout his letter because he has one intent in mind. John is saying, church, I long for you to have the good life. I long for you to have eternal life, which God has prepared for you. And the climax, the pinnacle, the grand finale of this letter, which would have been my encoded message in my letter, right? For John, the climax is 1 John 5.13, where he says these words. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may have eternal life. I picture John saying this as a parent talking to the child. Like I said earlier, that's the language that he's used throughout this letter. Dear children, this is what I long for you to have. And today is Mother's Day, which I have been blessed with one fantastic mother. If you know my mom, I prob you probably agree with me that she is just wonderful. And that's who she is every single day that I've known her. But when I was growing up, my mom would come upstairs at night, and she'd tuck me into bed, she'd climb into bed next to me, and she'd sing me a song called Pass It On. As she was singing that song to me at night, I can remember vividly those memories because it was in those moments that I felt the most secure, the most loved, by her. And if you don't know the lyrics to pass it on, they go like this. It only takes a spark to get a fire going. And soon all those around will warm up in its glowing. That's how it is with God's love once you've experienced it. You spread his love to everyone you want to pass it on. As I think back on those lyrics today, as I think back about my mom singing that song to me, I realize that my mom's longing for me was the same longing that John had for the early church. It was the same thing that John wanted for these early Christ followers. And if you're a parent in here today, what is, what is your deepest longing for your child? What would that be? What would be the thing that you want more for your child than anything else in the world? For John, we have that answer. It's in 1 John 5.13 where he says, more than anything, brothers and sisters of Christ, I want you to have eternal life. 
I want you to have the good life that's been prepared for you. So we're going to talk about eternal life today. And we're going to talk about some misconceptions maybe that we have about eternal life and then reveal the truth that we find throughout John's letter to the church. So as we talk about eternal life, we're going to use this term, the good life, anytime that you really hear it. So anytime you hear eternal life, you can interchange it with the good life. So in your bulletins, there should be a place that you can write, eternal life is the good life. I want you to be able to see that and to process it because as we talk about eternal life, I want you to be able to make the connection that this is the good life that John is talking about. Um, and here's, here's why I do that. I think that John gives us a bigger picture of eternal life than simply just life that goes on forever. William Barclay pointed out, a life that lasted forever could be an intolerable curse depending on the quality of life. But eternal life is a blessing and a joy because it is the life of God. But isn't that true? Like, when you were a kid, there might have been a time that you thought heaven didn't sound very much fun because all we're going to do is, like, sit on a cloud and play a harp and wear a robe all day for the rest of eternity, right? That's what we might have pictured eternal life to be. And maybe that's you today still. Maybe you have misconceptions about what eternal life really is. And even though there is part of it that's about forever with God, that's not the whole picture. So, let's talk about eternal life today. The first truth that we find about eternal life is this. Eternal life is about fellowship with God. Eternal life is about fellowship with God. This is what John's entire letter has been pointing to. It is our fellowship with God that matters the most. That's what it's all about. But when we discuss how we relate to God, the term that we usually use is like relationship. Which isn't, that's not a bad way to describe it, right? We talk about having a personal relationship with Jesus. Or we talk about having a deep relationship with our Heavenly Father. But I think the word fellowship is a much richer word to use because fellowship is all about closeness. It's about being connected in a tight-knit community with someone else. So the good life is truly when we're connected in deep friendship with God. He's not just an acquaintance to us that we talk about on Sunday mornings. He's our everything. That's the shift that we have to make, especially when we're talking about eternal life. That it's fellowship with God that matters the most. This isn't the first time that John has written about what eternal life looks like. He recorded Jesus' final prayer before heading to the cross. And in that prayer, Jesus had something to say about eternal life as well. This is John chapter 17, verses 1 through 3. Here's what it says. Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son— that your son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people that he might give eternal life to those you have given him. Now, this is eternal life. They know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Hmm. Jesus doesn't say, now this is eternal life, living forever in paradise. No, Jesus says eternal life is about being in 
fellowship with our Father, being connected to God because of what Jesus has done for us. And this is the thing that fuels everything else in our lives. We love others because we are in fellowship with God. We obey his commands because we are in this deep friendship with him. And if you're a friend with someone, you want to do what they ask you to do. We approach him in confidence because we are in fellowship with God. That's why John is talking about everything that he has in this book. That's why he's giving us all these different things that we've discussed. It's because he realizes that only in fellowship with God do these things happen. When we are connected in relationship with God, there is nothing sweeter. That truly is the good life. And that leads us to this next point about eternity. Because if eternal life is not wrapped up in just an experience in heaven, then it must be about something else. And we know that because this connection is with God, it can happen here and now. Eternal life begins here and now. And we've probably had the misconception that eternal life is strictly dealing to what happens to us after we die. That's when we assume that eternal life begins. But if the good life, if eternal life is about being in fellowship with God, then that starts now, in the present. That's why Jesus teaches his disciples to pray for the kingdom of God to come on earth as it is in heaven. The reign of Jesus, it begins in the present. It begins now. And it will be fully realized sometime in the future. And I know that we all recognize that there is still conflict present in our world today, right? We see it all around us all the time, especially over this last year. No matter what side you stand on, in the midst of everything that's happened, we could say, man, there's just a lot of conflict, a lot of tension that's happening around us. But the outcome has already been settled. Victory is guaranteed. And that should change the way that we act in the present. If you look at 1 John chapter 5, verses 4 and 5, we see that John believes there's victory to be had in this world because of Jesus. He says, For everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes in Jesus, who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. It's not just Jesus that has victory. Those that believe in Jesus, those that give their lives to Jesus, they have victory too. John wanted his followers, Jesus' followers, to know this truth, that Jesus overcame death, and because of that, Jesus can overcome anything. And if you are connected with Jesus in this fellowship, you can overcome anything too. Every stronghold in our lives, every dark day that we face that we don't understand, every negative thought that we've ever thought, every evil that comes our way, everything can be overcome because of Jesus. That's the victory that we share. We share in God's victory because of Jesus. So, the response of Jesus' followers is to put this belief 
in action and practice. Right here, right now. Evil around us, it may look like a runaway train that nothing has the power to stop. But as Christians, as Jesus followers, we are commanded to step on the track and to push back, knowing that Jesus is the one that goes before us. We know what others may not know. The stronghold of evil in our world is doomed for destruction. And we are called to be a part of that collapse. This brings us to our last truth about eternal life. Eternal life is accessible only through Jesus. John closes his letter focusing on the purpose of Jesus. And if you've read through 1 John with us over the last five weeks, you know that that's the case. He's always pointing to Jesus, always pointing to the hope that's found in Jesus, always recognizing that how we live our lives is in response to Jesus. And above all else, that's what this closing chunk of the letter is about too. He says that it is in faith of Jesus that we have eternal life. And that's the one thing that was under fire in these churches. They weren't questioning whether Jesus was a real person that walked the earth. They were questioning the, the deity of Jesus. Some were saying that Jesus was naturally born of Mary and Joseph. And others were saying that Jesus wasn't the Son of God, but instead he was indwelled with the Holy Spirit, indwelled with the Spirit of God from the time of his baptism to the time of his death on the cross. And both of these false ideas about who Jesus was had people questioning their faith at the time. Have you ever questioned your faith in Jesus? Have you ever asked, who is this Jesus that I follow? Well, if you've had that question, John writes this letter to you, to those shaken believers. And in the midst of the struggle, he confidently proclaims who Jesus is. So who does John say that Jesus is? Well, if you mesh together 1 John 5, 1 and 1 John 5, 5, here's what you get. Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, period. That's it for John. He knows that's who Jesus is. And then in the next verse, verse 6, he says, This is the one who came. Can you hear him saying that confidently? knowing that he's seen Jesus in the flesh. This is the one who came. He is the one. Jesus is the one who came. Don't forget about that, church. John acknowledges that Jesus is the Savior who was promised from the beginning of the story, the one the prophets were talking about, the one that rode into Jerusalem being proclaimed as king, who the people used Psalm 118.25 to describe like this. He who comes in the name of the Lord. He's bringing that language back into his letter. He who comes, the one who comes. And then he talks about John the Baptist. John the Baptist describes Jesus this way. He who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Jesus is the one who came. That's it. The Christ the Son of the living God. Every other definition of Jesus, it falls completely flat. What we believe about Jesus, 
is central to this letter that John wrote the church. He knew that our beliefs and the early church's beliefs about Jesus needed to be solidly grounded in who he really, who he really was. So, how would you answer that question? Who is Jesus? If somebody came to you and said, hey, I know you go to church, I know you know a lot about Jesus, so tell me about who he is. Because how we answer that question, it determines how we live our lives. And our answer to that question can be the same as John's. Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. He's the promised one who came. Jesus is 100% man, but Jesus is also 100% God. He came to this earth and lived a perfect life. He died a real death on a cross, and he walked right out of that grave. That is who Jesus is. Everything else, it's fake news. This is the real Jesus. And if, it, if this is who Jesus is, then every other aspect of our life should begin to rearrange to point towards that truth. Our response to the person of Jesus reorients the priorities of me. Our response to the person of Jesus reorients the priorities of me. It has to be. That's what it looks like to be in fellowship with God. For our staff and elder Christmas party every year, David Diener, Nate Plyler, and myself, we host this award show called The Creakies. And The Creakies is this goofy thing that we do to uh, honor, I guess you could say, to award different staff members things that happened throughout that last year that maybe have been a low moment <laughs> from their last year. So we hand out these trophies to everybody on staff, and they all have, like, these random things. So if you ever walk into one of our office and you see one of these creakies, you know what they are. So, like, one that I have, I have a turtle tank in my office. I can't smell, so my turtle tank gets dirty very often and starts to smell. So I got the dirtiest tur turtle tank one year as my creaky. So there's just things like that. Well, if you've ever seen the, the TV show The Office, it's based off the Dundies in The Office. So that's kind of how we got to this idea of the Creakies. <clears throat> and since it's an award show, we thought, hey, we need a big opening for our award show. So what should we do about that? Well, we started to brainstorm, and everything was on the table. So we thought about some big ideas, and we said, we need to get Tim Tebow to do an opening for our Creakies award show. Well, it became apparent pretty quickly, quickly that we were not going to get Tim Tebow to record a message for us for our church award show. So instead, we thought, hey, here's the next best thing. Let's get someone whose name rhymes with Tim Tebow to do it. So let's get Jim Bebo to do an opening for us instead of Tim Tebow. Surely there's a Jim Bebo on Facebook. So I get on Facebook, and I start looking for Jim Bebo's on Facebook. I go through the list. First, Jim Bebo. Type him a message. Hey, will you record a message for our show? I know this is an odd question, but Tim Tebow's not available. We figured you'd be the next best thing. I get blocked by that Jim Bebo. Go to the next Jim Bebo. Type him a message. He never responds to me. I don't know why. Third, Jim Bebo. Blocks me as well. So now all the Jim Bebos on Facebook have blocked me 
and we're not going to get Jim Bebo for the Creekies. That's a true story, and it's, it's not my proudest story as well. I'd like to blame it on David for coming up with that day, idea, but I don't think that was the case. Um, but I, honestly, I don't know what we were thinking, because Jim Bebo is no replacement for Tim Tebow. He's a counterfeit, right? And a counterfeit is just that. It's not the real thing. But Jesus is the real deal. John knew that because he knew that because he witnessed it with his own eyes. And he knew others that witnessed it as well. People that spent time with Jesus, that heard Jesus declare that I am God, and also saw Jesus after he rose from the grave. John knew that's who Jesus was. Faith in the counterfeit Jesus leads to death. But faith in the real Jesus, it leads to life. But not just life, the good life, eternal life, abundant life, everlasting life. And I know that John was writing this letter to struggling early churches, but it's written to us too. Do you want the good life? Do you want eternal life? Well, John, speaking through John, God speaks this truth to us today. Come. The good life is waiting for you. And it's available for all those who surrender to Jesus. Because of Jesus, you can have the good life right now. Because of Jesus, the good life means victory from every evil that we face and strength from our strongholds, freedom from our strongholds. Because of Jesus, the good life brings us peace in the stormy seasons of life and hope in the seemingly impossible ones. And today, we invite you into the good life. A life in fellowship with God because of Jesus. In a minute, our worship team is going to come up here. And as they play their final song today, there's going to be a time where you can come forward. And there'll be some staff and elders up here ready for you, waiting for you to come. And they would love more than anything to talk to you about what it looks like to have the good life. Let's pray. God, you're so good to us. Better than we could ever imagine. And honestly, for those of us that don't even know you, there are parts of life that are so good because of what you've done for us already. The fact that we have life to begin with is a gift from you. Every good thing that we have is a gift from you. And yet, you invite us to something more. You invite us to the good life, to eternal life, to fellowship with God. A fellowship that starts in the here and now. A fellowship that changes our life from the inside out. A fellowship that calls us into something bigger than ourselves. God, I'm thankful that the good life starts now. Because there are so many times where 
I can want to escape to heaven someday. But that's not what you've called us to. You've called us to dig in. You've called us to stand firm. You've called us to be faithful and to overturn every evil that we see. In the name of Jesus, knowing that there's victory to be had because of Jesus. Thank you, God, for eternal life. I long, just like John longed, just like my mom longed, for every single person to have eternal life because of Jesus. It's in his name that we pray today. Amen.